Do you have a question about your home? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single-family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Pulled up some carpet in my basement and there was linoleum put down. How can I get that up? Uh, there are products that will release the adhesive. You're probably going to have to take a floor scraper and it'll work a little quicker for you, but you're still going to take a lot of elbow grease. I wish I could tell you there was a real simple solution of just put something down and scrape it up with a shovel or something, but there's not that I know of. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, is here weekends at this time to answer questions that are important to you. Today's homeowner, you can be part of the program by emailing us questions to the website, kenthecontractor.com, or you can give us a call. Our contact number is 800-614-2975. Well, if you didn't see it, you probably heard about the 108-yard kickoff return by Baltimore Ravens' Jacoby Jones that started the second half of the Super Bowl. Not only did it make him look good, but I want to tell you this, it made a lot of other shoppers in certain parts of the country feel pretty good because they wound up with some free merchandise. Now, what does that have to do with building? What I'm going to tell you is it has a lot to do with insurance, folks, because one particular company, SCA Promotions, said they're paying out more than $290,000 because of that 108-yard kickoff return. That's because a particular company said that we will give away all the furniture purchased on a certain date if this particular event happens. But you know what? They bought insurance for that because we can buy insurance for almost everything. And that leads me to where we want to be today, and that's talking about your home insurance. If you could insure against a touchback run that causes you to give away certain products, I promise you, you could insure for every unique need you have around your house. And most of the time, we don't think about that. We buy our homeowner's insurance because the bank says we have to have a homeowner's policy, and they need to see a certificate of insurance on a certain date that has property coverage. And that's the end of it. And for most of you, you're sitting there shaking your head yes, saying, that's the last time I ever looked at my insurance policy is when I was told I had to buy the thing. I get a bill, or in many cases, if you've got a mortgage, you pay that insurance monthly with your mortgage, and you never think anything about it. I want to talk to you about some of the peculiar things that you should pay attention to and some adjustments that maybe you need to make by talking to your insurance agent from time to time. Don't just assume that from year to year to year, everything is great. And it also depends on what part of the country you live in. So before we get into a few of the specifics, I want to give you some example of claims that exist nationwide. You're also going to see some things that are fairly common. If you happen to be listening to us in Alabama, for example, wind and hail is the number one insurance claim filed by most companies. And that can be from tornadoes. It can be from thunderstorms. It can be as a result of hurricanes moving inward in your area. But wind and hail is number one. What's number two? Water damage caused by bursting pipes, by leaking faucets, by tubs that aren't performing well. Number three would be fire. Number four would be crime. On the other hand, if you happen to be listening to us in Kansas, you're going to find, once again, wind and hail is number one. Water is still number two. Crime and then fire in three and four. Now I want you to move to Washington, D.C. and listen to these numbers. All of a sudden, something changes you don't think about. Wind and hail still number one. Water still number two. And if you go across the country and you look at these, that's what you're going to find typically, state by state, wind and hail damage number one, water damage number two for insurance claims in our homes. But in Washington, crime moves from number four to number three. And you've got crime, and then you've got 
liability, which I didn't mention in either of those other two states. So there are certain parts of the country that are much more in tune to litigation when things happen. And I have to ask you, do you have any idea whether you have the right kind of liability coverage on your home? Do you have wind and hail damage that offers the kind of coverage that you need? And equally important, do you have water damage insurance? And you say, yeah, I've got homeowner's policy, so surely I must be covered. Just because you have a homeowner's policy does not mean that all of these items are adequately covered and that you don't have certain exemptions. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's okay. I know I've got a good policy and it's going to cover against leaks. What about boilers? Do you know that in many parts of the country that a boiler that provides not only your hot water but your heat for your house requires a separate rider or separate coverage in order to pay if there's a leak or water damage as a result of that? How about water from solar panels that may be on your roof heating that hot water? What if one of those lines happened to leak or break? Do you have coverage for that? The only thing I'm trying to do is to raise our level of awareness that insurance companies write policies sometimes that cater to states, that cater to unique parts of the country, perhaps the Gulf Coast, the Atlantic Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast, where we have everything by region from more tornadoes in one area to more hurricanes to earthquake-prone zones. And insurance companies tend to write that insurance for the general population in those spaces. If you have unique needs, then you need to be talking to your agent about that. And when it comes time to look at insurance, you also need to be dealing with companies that are highly reputable, that are financially sound, that have people that can take care of your particular needs. If you're saying, well, you know, I really haven't shopped around for insurance recently. Where do I go or how do I start? I'm going to give you one pointer. This will be posted my website. One company called Top Ten Reviews this past year released in fall their version in conjunction with several other people doing studies of the best and the worst insurance companies across the country. Now, these are the big-name national companies. They're not dealing necessarily with regional companies that personally I find to be very, well, very good companies to work with in my experience. But in these top ten companies, I'll just give you the top three that they listed, and that was Liberty Mutual, Amica, and Progressive. They all scored with a nine or better, which put them in an excellent category when it comes to customer services, the ease of use, the industrial ratings, if you will, and the overall ratings of the the business and their financial stability. Now, there are some that are pretty low down there that rate less than four. I'm not going to give you those. I'm going to let you go to top ten reviews on your own, and you can seek that out or you can check it out at the link on KenTheContractor.com. My point is not all insurance is the same. Not all policies are written the same. Not all agents and agencies are the same. Do yourself a favor. It's not just a check that you write every year or with your mortgage payment every month. It's something that needs to be serving you when you need it. And the only way you know that is if you've done your homework up front and you've bought the right kind of insurance for where you live and how you live. You know, and going back and reviewing that policy is something that's very important. Uh, I was stunned when we started doing this show a couple of years ago. I didn't realize that until recently you couldn't even buy an insurance policy that would protect you in cases against water that didn't come from a flood, that basically just came gurgling up out of the ground. Now, I do know there have been some policies, but they're fairly expensive. There are riders for some policies, and there are specific or unique policies depending on where you live. But it all depends, does the water come out of the ground, does it flow over the surface, or does it come from a burst pipe or a leak in the roof? 
All of those are different scenarios, and not any one coverage based on all the agents I've asked covers every instance. It takes different riders. Yeah, and so you'd better be careful uh, in in what you think, and particularly with some of these elements of extreme weather that we have seen in the last couple of years. Uh, I would not assume in many cases, unless probably you're sitting in the middle of the desert, that you're probably good there as far as a flood is concerned or a blizzard. But almost anywhere else you're listening to this program, we can take a look at specific instances where we have seen extreme weather pop up where these 100-year floods or 100-year storms have been occurring with some degree of regularity. Well, you know, we see that from time to time, and we're going to continue to see that. And that's the reason I wanted to bring this segment, to remind everybody, pay attention to your insurance. It's not just a dead file that you keep applying money to. Coming up in minutes here on Ken the Contractor, one-on-one with Ken the Contractor, and also we will bring you our handy website of the week. That's coming up. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always join us at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to the website, kenthecontractor.com. This email was rather unusual. In fact, before I answer this, I will tell all of you that I sent the writer back an inquiry saying, is the dollar amount correct? And he has confirmed that what I'm reading is indeed correct. So this comes to us from Mark out of Virginia, who has a very unique gutter system. It says, I have an old galvanized gutter system, and they are leaking. They were built into my house in the 1940s. Now, these gutters are all built into the woodwork. And what he's describing is actually they're built into part of the truss, if you will, the gutter. He said, I have a quote for $110,000. I did say that right, $110,000 to replace these custom gutters. This didn't fit my budget. Well, it wouldn't fit mine either. He said, an option would be to change the look of the house and install a new system, but architecturally this might not be as good. I was told there was a gutter lining system that may resolve my problem for a lot less money. Do you offer any suggestions? Well, Mark, in the first place, again, I'm here to tell you, and I appreciate you confirming in my email that it was $110,000, uh, that that wouldn't suit my budget, and I would be looking for exactly what you are, and that is a gutter liner system or some means of replacing this without modifying my entire roof structure. And for those of you that can't follow this, this is really a period design that was common probably for 20 years or so. It's still somewhat common in commercial applications, but where the gutter system is actually part of the roof system. And it's not uncommon to see this where there are barrel tiles or concrete tiles or other solid surface roof material, slate, if you will, that was common in the 40s. And to have a gutter system that's flashed back up underneath this, it's actually recessed or built into the trusses, and you can't even see it from the front of the yard. So this one reason it would be extremely expensive to get into the structure to modify and to redo all of it. But Mark, to go to your question, for these traditional box gutters from this 1940 period, I would agree with you. I really would not be inclined to change it because it's going to take away from the looks of the house, even though you could put a more traditional gutter up for a fraction of what you're talking about here today. Let's preserve what you have instead and maintain that particular look. Now, I'm not sure what type of gutter liner you're looking at or talking about, but what I recommend is called an EPDM. It's a rubber membrane liner that has a self-adhesive backing to that. Now, this is the same EPDM or rubber membrane that we use for roofing on both commercial and residential applications. The difference here is that it has a self-adhering back to that. So that the prep work is one that if you're inclined to do this, you could do yourself. It just be sure the gutters are clean, the rust has been removed, and this product is installed over the top of it. Uh, if you're going to hire a professional, they're going to use all the right materials to do that. 
The good thing about the EPDM as a gutter liner in this case is that it comes, it's available in different widths and in extremely long lengths, meaning that in most cases you'll have very few seams that you have to cope with or to actually seal. So this is be ideal for these wide built-in box gutters that not only fill the bottom, have sides that turn up and may have flashing that runs back up underneath the roof or out to the eave or the fascia, if you will, this really would solve your problem for a fraction, for just a fraction of that $110,000 that you were talking about earlier. So by all means, I'm right on board with you, and I highly recommend the EPDM product. There are also other things you can do. You'll spend more money, but if you've looked at, you've looked at epoxy resins, you've looked at overlaying this with galvanized or copper material, also less money than dealing with a structure, but still a lot of money. Consider the EPDM first. All right. Well, let's go back to the phones right now. And it's Marianne who joins us next. Hi, Marianne. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yes. I have a uh, fiberglass gold bathtub, and I was wanting to know if I could paint it white. Great question. I get that from time to time. And absolutely, both fiberglass and acrylic tubs and tub shower combinations can be painted. As you hear me say on this show frequently, though, the work is going to be in the prep. It's not going to be in applying the finish. Now, you can do this yourself if you happen to be a crafty individual and like doing these type things. But the best, yeah. res- the best results available are those done by professionals because they have slightly different materials and techniques as well as training to do this. I'm not going to discourage you, but I want to say that for our other listeners as well. Okay. If, if you're going to do this yourself, you need to visit with one of the paint stores or certainly one of the experts within the big box stores because all of them sell the kits to refinish both fiberglass and acrylic. And you need to be sure and distinguish between the two because in some cases there's a slight difference in either the prep or the finished product. Follow the instructions carefully in terms of the cleaning, the sanding, the things that you need to do there. Be certain that it's dry, that you're working within the designated temperature range of the product, and you allow the right amount of curing time between any number of coats. But absolutely, you can do this yourself, and this is one of those great items for people to do in the winter months when you don't want to be outdoors. Right. Okay, now who does it professionally? Be a number of companies, and I'm going to give you some generic names. Some of these are nationwide, some of these are regional, but you would look them up under companies like Bath Refitters or Bath Refinishers. That's a generic heading. Some may even have those names within their professional company name. But these are contractors that will refinish not only acrylic but fiberglass but also the old enamel tubs, and they issue a warranty. And I think if you'll check prices, when you look at the product cost and then place a value on your labor after you read the instructions, and then you get some bids from two or three of these contractors that do this on a professional basis daily, Look at the overall cost versus having them do it, the lack of time needed on your part, and the warranty that they bring to the table. You may find that there's not a huge cost difference when it's all said and done. Okay, great. Well, good luck to you, and we appreciate you listening to the show. Well, thank you so much. Marianne, we do appreciate it. And don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or jot him off a quick email. We've got one now that uh, deals with an air handler. Yeah, and Samuel's got an issue out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he says, I tend to do most of the repair work around the house myself, but I do know my limits. He said, my central AC unit has the air handler in a closet in the middle of the house. My wife and I have noticed an occasional high pitch or squealing sound or rattle coming from the unit, and I think it's the fan. He said, now, if the fan's bad, can I replace it myself? Are there more parts that I can get in trouble with getting into the interior? 
Well, Samuel, the first, I'm glad you recognize one thing I always tell everybody about it. That is know your limits. Don't start something and find you can't do it because you may do more damage and may cost yourself more money than having called that pro on the front side. But I will tell you, because I've been into this myself, I do this from time to time, just replacing a, a blower motor in most central furnaces in the air handler piece is not difficult if you are handy. If you're not, stay out of it. You want to be sure the power is turned off. You certainly can untake loose the bolts that, that secure this. There's probably a bracket. Take it out. Go to your hardware, not your hardware, but to your HVAC supply company and acquire a new motor for that particular brand and reinstall it. These are fairly simple. Now, for most of you out there, you say, yeah, it sounds simple, and I'm not encouraging all of you to do that. Really, I'm encouraging most people to contact their local HVAC contractor because sometimes you'll find it's not what you think. It's not that the motor is bad. You may have a loose fitting somewhere else, or there could be another element that is going bad. It could be bearing somewhere else on the inside, and this is what you think. So if you've spent money replacing a motor and you find that still isn't it and you've got to do something else, you're wasting money. But if you're quite confident, in this case, Samuel, that it's simply that blower motor, that squirrel cage that's got an issue in there, and you can pop that out and change it on your own, and you're handy enough and you're accustomed to doing similar things, I'd say go for it by all means. But always, just as you point out, know your limits, know when it's time to hire somebody, and when it's time to cut your losses and just move on down the road. Move on down the road quickly in some of those cases. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. You can always reach Ken the Contractor with your questions and comments at 800-614-2975 or email him to KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to this edition of Ken the Contractor. Along with Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Brett. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget, you can email them questions also to our website, KenTheContractor.com. And while you're there, check out the valuable and important home improvement information that you can find right there on the web. At Ken's website, that's KenTheContractor.com. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and, of course, save you money. Joining me now is Steve Michael. Steve is with Atmox Controlled Ventilation Systems, and this is a rather unique system when it comes to basement and crawl space ventilation. Steve, welcome to today's program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad you can be with us today. What I'd like you to do is explain how Atmox, as a system, is different from other basement and crawl ventilation systems. Because I know we have discussed this, and I find the characteristics rather unique. It is clearly a system. It is not just a fan. Correct. Most of the time, what's being done on ventilation is a fan is being used on a humidistat. And that humidistat, what it does is it measures the humidity levels wherever the fan is. And when that reads it, that's great, but it has no realization of the air that it's bringing in because it's not measuring the levels of the outside air. So the way we look at it at Atmox is, is we have to look at the moisture level inside and we have to look at the moisture level outdoors of what we're using. If we're using the moisture level and compare those two, we like to ventilate whenever the outside air is drier. If we don't ventilate when the outside air is drier and we ventilate when it's wetter, we generally create more problems than we solve. So what we do is we look at those two, we compare them, and then we use multiple fans to get air into and out of the entire crawl space. Generally, 
Once we set up airflow from one side to the other, we close off the vents that we're not using. Think of it like this. You don't open your windows on the bad days when it's hot and humid. You open your windows on the good days when it's nice and, and cool. That's essentially what an Atmox system does. It ventilates more on the good days and doesn't ventilate on the bad days. Now, we also, to make it easier to wire those fans up, what we do is, is our system is designed so that we don't have to run electrical outlets to each fan. We have a control box that goes on the wall. It can go in your garage or wherever. It plugs into an outlet, and the fans hook up to the system via 12-volt low-voltage landscape lighting wire. So there's no need to put individual outlets at each place or have a licensed electrician come in there and do all that. That by itself is a substantial cost savings. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. A lot of people don't realize how much it is to have an electrician come out and wire all those. Uh, It makes it a little easier to do yourself if you want to do it yourself, although some people don't want to get in a crawl space, and they certainly much rather have a company do it, and I can understand that. I've been in quite a few crawl spaces myself. Um, So that makes a big difference. Now, another thing that we have a unique ability, not only on top of having those fans being able to hook to the system on 12-volt, our system is one of the only ones that I know of on the market that we can also incorporate a dehumidifier into the system because certain climates, like if you're in Georgia or you're in South Carolina, or you may have too much groundwater coming in that crawl space, and when you get to July and August, there can be too much groundwater coming in for how much air there is outside to be able to dry on that house. So our system can incorporate a dehumidifier into that system. Now, the nice thing about that is we're only using that during peak times, so you get the cost savings. I I think one of the greatest things that people don't understand about dehumidifiers is, one, they don't work very well in cold climates, and, two, they're very expensive to operate. People don't realize how much it is to operate a dehumidifier. They generally run around 700 watts of power. Comparative difference, our system running with with six fans on it will learn, run less than 50 watts of power off of the house. That's less than most single incandescent light bulbs somebody may have in a lamp. Correct. And yet you're talking about up to six fans using only that amount of wattage. Of course, these are low voltage, which also should give folks a sense of uh, security. It is in a damp area. They don't have to worry about line volt uh, electricity shorting out or moisture getting into it or having maintenance problems down the road. Correct. Correct. Matter of fact, I have even had a system go underwater and the fans still fire it back up. Well, that's certainly good to know because it can happen depending on where folks live. Oh, yes. In floodplain areas, you can have it lots of times. I had a system uh, in Sandy that I just talked to somebody the other day, We, you know, uh, and it still survived and fired up and, and ran, and the crawl space was flooded. Now you talked about the ease of installation, that this is primarily a low-voltage system, that it is a balanced system, taking into consideration both outside humidity, inside, meaning within the basement or crawl mm-hmm. space. The idea is to circulate air and to control the humidity. Are these products that the consumer can not only install but, say, semi-engineer on their own? Are you offering that help if they're, they want to buy and install direct? We absolutely do. We have a chart on the website. It, it's, a, it's relatively simple, even though we talk about it, it. It's more common sense than it is anything else. You want to get air in one side of a crawl space, and you want to get it in, out the other side. And if you have any dead areas, you want to make sure that air flows through that. But we have charts to get you the amount of fans you need for your size house. You're more than welcome to call Atmox. We will go through and help you. They're going to be able to speak to someone, not 
Absolutely. Not just get a recording. I, I knew you were going to tell me that, but I want you to get that yeah, out on the I air. I promise you may get a recording, but we'll call you back because you'll find that we try to take a lot of time making sure people are well taken care of and, and that we, you know, we're in the business of solving the problem. And you're yeah. offering customer service, and that's yes. what people need to know. Yes. So if you're on the phone with somebody, you're going to get back with them because you're helping somebody else Correct. through their engineering and answering their questions to install a proper Correct. system. And it's not just installing the proper system. I mean, it's about getting the crawl space problem solved. It's not about just, you know, if, if we have water coming in and we have standing water, is a ventilation system going to solve your problem? The answer is no. There is no ventilation system made that is going to get rid of buckets and buckets of water. You've got to drain that out and you've got to pump it out. But if you've got water coming in, that means you have a moisture problem. So that means you're going to have to manage the moisture that's evaporating off. So that's where we come in. We've got to make sure that the problem's solved the right way and that our system performs the way it's designed to perform because the only bad thing that can happen on our system is if you don't install it with enough fans for the problem. Now, where do folks go to find out more information about the Atmox controlled ventilation system with the dehumidifier option as well? Our website is www.atmox.com. Atmox.com. That's all you need to know to help resolve some of your basement and crawl space, mold and mildew issues. That may help you internally as far as your own health goes because of the lack of mold spores and some other issues that you may be living on top of and not even knowing it. And if you haven't been in that basement or crawl space for a while, especially the crawl space, you may want to have somebody take a look around and see if you uh, need an Atmox-controlled ventilation system. We've been talking to Steve Michael today with Atmox, and Steve, we certainly appreciate all of the information. I know from the calls and emails that I get, there will be many people interested in this particular product line to help solve some issues that they've been dealing with, not short-term, but for many years. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Thanks. That's this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Ken, you thought these uh, particular applications that they had were pretty cool. Well, one of the reasons not only are they that I think they're cool is because they're dealing with the humidity both inside and out, but I think equally important is their low voltage, meaning they're not 120-volt power. You've got a control system that's remote, and an awful lot of us have crawl spaces that unfortunately occasionally are subject to flooding. And if that's the case, you don't want to have 110, 220-volt power, those outlets getting wet where you're pulling all that out and gutting it. And you heard him talk about the fact that they've experienced this with some of yeah. their clients where they've been flooded. These things just fire up and start working again. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You can reach Ken through his website, KenTheContractor.com, or 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. This is Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson. Ken the Contractor, if you'd like to join us, we're here weekends at this time, answering your questions about your home inside or out at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. One of the other things that Ken tries to do is keep you up to date on neat little apps and also very convenient websites that you can use in your home improvement or building products. And this week, it's a website of the week. Actually, it's two websites. You get one uh, for just asking the question, and you get another because it answers your question. Bottom line is, many of you have asked me from time to time, where do you go to get this resource information? If you happen to be a do-it-yourselfer, you want to take on a project, you want to know something about building codes in your particular area, how to wire three- and four-way light switches, there are books available, but many times they are very hard to find in your traditional bookstore. And that's where I'm going to go 
give you this week is information on where you can order these online. These are great resources for those of us that are professionals. I've ordered numerous documents from time to time from these. The first one, and I've shared this with you before just in passing, is NAHB.com. That's the National Association of Home Builders. They've got their own bookstore. They have a lot of resource information, and building professionals go there occasionally to buy these products and to help them perfect their skills, maybe to move into another area that they haven't been working at for a long period of time. So that's NAHB.com. Now, a second one that you'll find also with many, many books available and do-it-yourself projects as well as videos on how to do these is called buildersbook.com. That's B-U-I-L-D-E-R-S-B-O-O-K.com. Both of these you will find posted to my website. Go to KenTheContractor.com, check out the links, and you'll find both bookstores. All right. Let's go to the phones right now. And joining us next from South Bend, Indiana, where she listens to our program on WTRC 95.3 FM and 1340 AM is Eileen. Eileen, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. Uh, my daughter has a problem, and I bought her this trainer. She wanted a house trainer. They've lived in it for a while. They notice all this black mold inside the walls and in the bathroom all over. Is there any way to get rid of this other than gotten a whole trailer and rebuilding it? When you say inside the walls now, are you saying they've removed some of the paneling and they're finding it in the insulation between the paneling and the outer sheeting, or is it on the surface, the interior surface? Between the wall and the paneling and the, the other. Okay, it's that's going to be extremely difficult to get rid of because it's in concealed spaces. And what that's indicative of, though, is a water problem. Now, have they noticed water coming in around windows, a door, around the roof, or has this uh, particular uh, yeah, mobile home been in a flood? Made, yeah, that's what made them think about um, checking out further. So they think it may have been flood damaged at some point? Well, the lady wouldn't, yeah, um, and the lady wouldn't let us buy it until... We, we paid her first and signed the papers. We weren't allowed to go in there and look at it. Ah, uh, not good. It was, like, it was like a car, you know. Well, I, I'm. it's sad for me to say this, but certainly uh, anytime somebody approaches you with that comment, I think I would run as fast as I can away from the situation because that tells me they're trying to hide something. If they're not willing to fully disclose every part of this property to you, both the good and the bad, I would not be interested in it, but unfortunately, you are where you are. And is this situation throughout the entire mobile home, or just in one room of of the mobile home? It's in the living room, in the bathroom, but they were homeless; they didn't have a choice. Sure, and and this is I, I agree. This is certainly better than being out on the street. But what you have is a situation now that you can cope with, it, especially when you're telling me it's limited to a couple of rooms. I would recommend that either they, if they're qualified, or if they're not, they may want to find some assistance, some volunteers or others that can help them, and they may find the local builders association in their area is willing to provide volunteers to help do this because nationwide many of these organizations do uh, without cost. But they need to remove that paneling, remove the insulation. The interior can be cleaned. It certainly can be salvaged uh, with bleach solutions and other products that will get rid of mold but the big thing is to solve the source of the moisture that's fueling that mold. I don't want you to think that this is a deal that they just have to go live out in the street because they don't. You're telling me you have a couple of rooms, and I think they can salvage that with the proper help. No, actually, 
guess I tied it to the whole trailer. Yeah, if, if they find that it is the whole trailer, then they're going to spend some dollars and cents to do that. Perhaps it can be done for less than uh, certainly the dollars you have in it. But you're going to have a challenge. There's no question about that. And, uh, again, my thoughts and comments would be to look for some volunteer groups such as members of the local builders association that are part of the National Association of Home Builders and also other local civic organizations that may have skilled help that would come in and help with some level of remediation. And also, I live in an apartment building. We have had flooding in here, and um, it also has mold in it. And how can we get this cleaned up? Are you in a building that has a condo association or a management company responsible for it? people own it, uh, management. Well, if there's ultimately a management company, in my experience, and I've been involved in condominiums, both building, developing, and owning as an individual, then the management group or the ownership group should be responsible for that. Yeah. Okay. Then that owner group should clearly be responsible, and I'm guessing that multiple people in apartments have mold problems. Now, mold... Mold does not have a negative impact on everyone, but it can affect a number of people that have allergies yeah. to it. And yeah, I do. It is not the kind of thing you need to be living with. Within your own apartment, the things that you can do to control that certainly is to create some level of air movement because when we get stagnant air and moisture accumulating in our bathrooms, for example, our kitchen, that tends to fuel the mold and it causes it to grow more rapidly. But things the owner group should be responsible for would be, for example, roof leaks, door and window leaks that allow moisture to come in and that mold to develop. So there are two levels of responsibility in an apartment complex. And if one of those suits you, there are things you can do to help inside by using a bathroom vent fan or maybe a little air movement in dead corners where you may have more humidity. And if it's coming in around your doors and windows or the exterior walls, then by all means, you and others in that building need to be talking to your management group. Well, it's some pipe roll and other floors, and they're blaming people for not keeping their heat up high enough. It can, it can be a problem in certain buildings during cold winter months, but the point is that if a pipe's broken, whether it's management's responsibility or the individual's responsibility, if that water is removed pretty rapidly, if it's dried out, there should be no mold issue. But if you let it linger and it goes on for days and weeks, mold will become very prolific. It will be more difficult to get a hold of. So it sounds to me like that may involve a meeting of some of the apartment owners with the management group, and that's where I would be if I were in your situation, because there, there's some degree of power and effectiveness in numbers as opposed to just one-on-one. Well, I hope this has helped you a little bit with the mold yeah. issue as far yeah. as your uh, mobile home is concerned, uh, your relatives that are there. I think they do have some opportunities, some actions they can take, but they've got a long road to go uphill. It's still better than living out on the street, and I commend you for taking the steps that you have. Well, Eileen, we appreciate your call, and we thank you for thank listening you to us. Much. I tell you, that's going to be tough. It really is. I'd, I'd hate to have to deal with that, and I know so many people do, and I'm glad to get these calls from time to time regarding mold because there are things we can do, and if you live in a rental situation, there are things your landlord should be doing, but internally, in most cases, it really is our problem to deal with that air movement and cleaning up leaks and those type things, but if you've got a leaky roof, you've got leaking windows, it, your landlord needs to be dealing with it. It's a tough situation. And also, it goes to show you one of the things you've talked about consistently, don't let these things sit and manifest into bigger problems. Well, they never heal themselves. There are things we can do to help, but if it's a big issue now, it's a bigger issue later. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken the Contractor, and don't forget, if you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at his website, kenthecontractor.com, or 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. 
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.